0: RTL Original Podcast. (laughs) Taking inspiration from the iconic Blur smash hit of the same name, this pod takes a look at some of the greatest records of all time and argues why their second track is more often than not that album's best. This week's instalment of Song 2 will once again be guest hosted by me, Noah Gudgeon, who you may remember from our Sledgehammer episode. Join me for a look at some of the best, and sometimes worst, second songs of all time. Today's lucky candidate is the rough and ready Killing in the Name by political rap metal specialists Rage Against the Machine. Before we get underway, I would like to make a quick disclaimer for those who are squeamish about swear words, this song notoriously features a healthy dose of profanity, so be warned. Anyway, without further ado, let's transport ourselves back to 1992 when a small, but particularly angry band was gearing up for the release of the most provocative and confrontational single of the decade. With Killing in the name, Rage Against the Machine seemingly burst onto the scene fully-fledged and ready for battle. Though not the first to meld the worlds of hard rock and hip hop, the band had already fashioned a sound unique to them, as well as a strong sense of identity and purpose. Determined to broadcast their societal message, Rage generated shockwaves across the globe when their explosive concoction of music and activism hit record shops in November of 1992. No song in the band's discography displays their topical anger and frustration more successfully than Killing in the Name, an emphatic effort that continues to be listed among the most quintessential protest songs of the last century, and that, unfortunately, bears as much relevance today as it did almost 30 years ago. Forces Rage, of course, hadn't plucked their fury from out of thin air. In fact, during the recording of their 1992 debut album, the band found themselves in the midst of a burning Los Angeles. Following the police brutality suffered by Rodney King and the subsequent release of all four officers charged with using excessive force, the public outrage had spilled over into the streets, which resulted in five days of riots in the city. Angered by the law's abuse of power and inspired by the uproar of the people, Rage set about funneling their emotions into a new song. Meanwhile, guitarist Tom Morello had been giving guitar lessons, which, as fate would have it, proved to be a deciding factor in the conception of a riff which would provide the backbone to their iconic debut single. While teaching a student how to play in drop-D tuning, in which the lowest guitar string is tuned down a whole step for a heavier sound, Morello stumbled upon a note sequence that he liked. I just came up with the killing of the name Riff. I stopped the lesson, got my little Radio Shack cassette recorder, laid down that little snippet, and then continued with the lesson. The next day, He showed the idea to his fellow band members, whose contributions helped flesh it out. Rage had been messing around with the resulting instrumental for a while when frontman Zack de la Roja finally threw the simple but highly charged words into the mix. All in all, the song only features eight different lines of lyrics, but thanks to de la Roja's clever use of irony in repetition, it is particularly effective at highlighting its protest points. Essentially, the message is this: In America, murder is justified for those who wear police badges. De la Roja compares officers to Ku Klux Klan lynch mobs and uses 17 iterations of the word "fuck" to help hammer this home. And now you do what they told you Now you do what they told you Now you do what they told now you do what they told you do what they told you. Since its release, the song has provoked various desired reactions. In 2000, for example, police ordered the crowd to disperse following a Free Rage concert in protest of the Democratic National Convention. True to the lyrics, "Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me," which had been the closing words of the show, many fans disobeyed orders and riot cops moved in, violently scattering the concert goers with rubber bullets and pepper spray. However, the song has also elicited some more amusing responses, such as the famous Rage Against the Machine for Christmas Number 1 campaign of 2009, which shot Killing in the Name to the top of the UK charts, a remarkable feat considering the track had only reached number 25 upon its initial release 17 years previously. But why the sudden surge in interest? Well, at the time, the British people were sick and tired of X Factor winners hogging first place on the festive charts year after year. So, in protest, they resolved to elect a new contestant and put an end to the monotony. And what song more fitting than the rebellious killing in the name? The track crashed Simon Cowell's party and emerged victorious, outselling its competitor by 52,000 copies, with Tom Morello joking, A little dose of anarchy for the Christmas holidays is good for the soul. Well, The sweary number may not be the most appropriate of soundtracks to your Christmas dinner, but it is certainly an evergreen song that will be celebrated for years to come. In researching this pod, we visited songfacts.com, genius.com, ultimateguitar.com, loudersound.com, npr.org, and the odd article on the BBC. Join us next week for another episode of Song 2 in this ongoing series. Be sure to write a review, drop us a rating and let us know about any of your potential second song candidates. I have been Noah Gudgeon and this has been Song 2 for RTL Today Radio. See you next time.